The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Change is the one constant in life. It is inevitable and it will happen to all of us at one time or another. Whether we like it or not, people and circumstances will change. We will get sick, loved ones will die, jobs will be lost, couples will grow apart, and children will move out. And when that happens, we are scared and sometimes lost. But here is the good news. Each one of us can write the next chapter of our life. No matter what we face, with the right mindset and unwavering tenacity, we can raise the curtain to a second act. I'm Joan Herman, and through my Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand and Second Acts, it is my mission to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation to write the next part of your story. And what a story it will be. Welcome to Second Acts. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for joining us. ADHD often goes undiagnosed in older adults, and very few resources focus on age 55 plus. According to today's guest, Dr. Kathleen Nadeau, there are steps adults with ADHD can take to reclaim control and lead calmer, happier, more productive lives. She joins us today to discuss how we can create a more ADHD-friendly lifestyle. Dr. Nadeau is founder and clinical director of the largest private ADHD specialty clinic in the United States and author of many books, including her newest, Still Distracted After All These Years, Help and Support for Older Adults with ADHD. Welcome, Dr. Nadeau. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, Doctor, let's begin with the basics of ADHD. What is it, and what are the possible signs? That's a great question to begin with, and I think one of the reasons that so many older adults do not get diagnosed is that the diagnostic criteria that we're still using were developed to describe children. And we don't really have a good questionnaire or a good set of diagnostic criteria for older adults. But let me tell you what the older adults have told me their symptoms are. I interviewed 150 adults diagnosed with ADHD. The youngest was 60 years old. The oldest was 88 years old. And they told me that their number one challenge was not being able to accomplish things, not getting anything done during the day, not pursuing 
their long postponed dreams of what they might do in retirement, just having trouble getting started on tasks and staying on task and completing tasks. That was their number one ADHD challenge. Doctor, why do you think this is so prevalent in adults? Do you think it has a lot to do with the technology or or the fact that we are so overstimulated? Well, what you're really talking about is, is there an interaction between our brains and the environment we live in? And of course there is. And there, there are lots of things going on in our current environment where we're all living digitally and online, where we are constantly distracted and interrupted. But that being said, ADHD is something we're born with. Uh, It runs in families, and if you're an older adult thinking about uh, whether you might have ADHD, one of the first things you should think about is if they are not children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews diagnosed with ADHD in your family, then it's probably not ADHD. It's so familial that if you're an adult with ADHD, you have a 50% chance of having a child with ADHD, uh, and so it runs strongly in families. It's not uh, just a reaction to the hustle and bustle and distractions of our current lifestyle and social environment, but it's also important to understand that the circumstances that we put ourselves in can make our ADHD better or can make it worse. And I think the digital world is clearly making it worse. If this is something that we're born with, which is actually very interesting to me, if it never presented earlier in our lives, is it possible that it'll just rear its ugly head as we get older just simply because we're aging? Or was it always presenting, but we just never noticed it? Well, again, you're asking me excellent questions and I'm happy for the question. Uh, What we are now understanding is that while ADHD is always there in the background, that there are lots of factors in our life that can keep it from being evident when we're younger. Um, One of those factors is high IQ. If you're a really bright kid, even if you're distractible, even if you're not paying much attention in school, you'll probably be making good grades until you get much further along in education. So high IQ absolutely can mask ADHD, a very stable, secure home environment in which parents are orderly and organized is another mitigating factor. I remember one fellow that I diagnosed in middle age as having ADHD joked that he didn't have permission to have ADHD when he was a kid. And what he meant by that is his mother was a school teacher who had stayed home with him to keep him on track and focused. And by gosh, she did. And he told me that his ADHD really didn't become evident until he left home and left all that structure and reminders uh, his mother was providing and got to college, and then things began to fall apart. So our ADHD emerges when the stress level, the demands of our life are such that we can't compensate for them anymore. There are a lot of people that I know that are like me. You know, one of the things I've noticed as I'm getting older 
and I just attributed it to doing too many things at once is that as you were describing, sometimes I feel like I do a little bit of this, a little of that, and I don't get anything done. So I've become a master list maker. I have um, a list of what I need to do for the month. And then I chunk that down to the week and then the day. And I find that that's how I stay on task. It's by going through my list and crossing things off as I, as I do the task. And a lot of people say that they feel the same way I do. So is this something that we should be considering? Oh, I think, I think list making, uh, among other things, anything that we can do to create structure in our days and in our lives is very important for all of us, but especially when we have ADHD. But I'll tell you, um, so many people with ADHD talk to me saying, I make lists all the time. But often people with ADHD are so distractible or disorganized that I lose the list or I start a list in one place and then I start another list in the kitchen. In other words, it's difficult for them, even with systems in place, to be organized and systematic. And that's one of the hallmarks of living with ADHD. doesn't mean you can't develop systems, but it sure does mean that it's going to take a lot more effort and a lot more time for those habits to become really ingrained. So that's a wonderful distinguishing factor for people like me who sometimes wonder if I have something more serious going on. So you had mentioned that there are diagnostic tools for children, but what about adults? How do you diagnose this in an adult? Well, that's a very good question. We don't have any diagnostic tools yet for older adults. But at my clinic, we evaluate adults for ADHD all the time. And one of the questionnaires that we use focuses on what are called executive functioning skills. And in layman's terms, those are just basic daily life management skills. So we carefully question them and compare their responses to the responses of other adults. So these are normed questionnaires about how able are you to stay on time, to remain conscious of the passage of time. That's another thing people with ADHD struggle with, is they may carefully look at their tasks for today, and I'm doing this at 9, and I have a dentist appointment at 10.30, et cetera, et cetera, and then lose track of the passage of time so that they're still late for the dental appointment because they got caught up in something at their desk or they got a phone call. So it's sort of like people without ADHD, I would describe them as almost having a running set of information in the background that they can always refer to, whereas people with ADHD with the best of intentions um, may start off the day with that and get distracted and off track and um, unaware of how much time has gone on and still not get even halfway down that list. What is actually happening in the brain of a person with ADHD to cause all of the things that you just described? Well, the executive functioning skills are skills that one doctor, I think, aptly described as the getting your act together skills of planning and organizing and follow through and estimating time and, you know, making good long-term decisions. 
And all of that higher level cognition takes place in the prefrontal lobes of the brain. And what we know about people with ADHD is that they have lower dopamine levels in their prefrontal lobes, which means that their prefrontal lobes are underactive, the very part of our brain that helps us to keep our act together, sort of daily life management skills, that part of our brain is under functioning. And that's what makes stimulant medication so helpful for many people is that the stimulant medication increases dopamine levels in the prefrontal lobes so that they're functioning on all cylinders. Is medication always required or are there ways that we can create new neural pathways that may solve the problem? Well, it's medication is not always required. About 80% of people respond well to medication. 20% don't for a variety of reasons. There's, there's no way to develop, quote, new neural networks. It's not that that is the alternative to medication, but there are tons of alternatives to medication. And I always tell people that medication is not a magic pill. Um, Dr. Bill Dodson, a colleague of mine, coined the phrase that pills don't build skills. And by that, he means, yes, the pills can wake up your brain and make you more focused and alert, but you still need to develop the skills, like the skills you were mentioning, of making lists, of prioritizing, of figuring out in advance how long I'll need to spend on this and that. So there's a whole new profession that has developed over the last 25 years called executive functioning coaches, and we have a number of those at my clinic. And And their main goal in life is to help people with ADHD develop those very organizational skills that may come more naturally to someone like you. So if a person doesn't recognize the problem or attempt to manage it in some way, in some of the ways that you just described, what can happen in that person's life in addition to what you had said before about feeling like you can't get anything done or stay on task? How else can this impact someone's life, their career, their relationships? Well, I'd like very much to focus on how it impacts older adults and then maybe take a minute to talk about uh, younger adults who are still, uh, you know, full on in their career. Um, I think a lot of people imagine it doesn't matter if you have ADHD once you're retired. Why does it matter? You're not working. You don't have a lot going on. And I think it's really important to understand that it matters very much, that ADHD really impacts every single aspect of our lives. And the way older adults are impacted is they often have very unhealthy, disordered sleep habits because they don't have any structure. They don't have a bedtime. They don't have a wake-up time. And that really impacts our cognitive functioning when we don't get enough sleep or we don't get enough deep restorative sleep. And so ADHD impacts that. Um, Just knowing what time it is, getting yourself into bed, calming your brain down so that you can go to sleep are often struggles for older adults with ADHD. The other thing that I really worry about with older adults is social isolation. Uh, It takes 
planning and organization and follow through to have a social life, to have social connections. And many people with ADHD become increasingly isolated after retirement. Um, If you think about it, work provides us with a built-in social world, and suddenly that goes away. And older adults, especially if they're living alone, and many of them are, of course, um, don't reach out, don't make plans, because that takes organization, that takes follow-through, and they become more and more isolated. And there have been many articles uh, lately um, just talking about how loneliness can literally kill us, that being very socially isolated is as dangerous to our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, according to some physicians. So the sleep problems, the social isolation, the other thing I worry about with older adults is their ADHD impacts their diet. Why does it impact their diet? Because eating a healthy diet requires planning and organization, those things that people with ADHD are not so good at. And so often I'll find that they're living on frozen dinners, they're snacking, they're living on cheese and crackers, they're not eating a healthy diet. And an unhealthy diet, just as poor sleep, impacts our cognitive functioning. Also, exercise. Exercise requires planning and self-discipline. I see a lot of older adults exercising less and less. And so all of these healthy daily habits fall by the wayside because they're in isolation, they have ADHD, and they don't have anyone around them to sort of keep them on track. A lot of the work that we do with older adults at my clinic is really coaching them on what we call the brain-healthy daily habits. Do you think then, from everything that you just described, it may not be the best idea for someone with ADHD to retire? Great question. I mean, one of the things that I often recommend to people is to consider working part-time in retirement because it gives them a place to go, um, a time to be there, people to interact with when they get there, and a sense of purpose in life. I mean, there are plenty of people with ADHD that don't retire, um, but not all of us have that choice. Some of us are working in jobs where the retirement is required at a certain age, or we simply don't have the good health and energy to continue working. But I think part-time uh, employment during retirement is is a great option for providing some structure and support in your daily life. We talked about setting up procedures such as um, list making and and you know organizational strategies. But what about things like getting out in nature, meditation, yoga? Do any of those things help mitigate the symptoms that someone's experiencing? All of those do, and they are part of the brain-healthy daily habits that I write about in my book, Still Distracted After All These Years. I mean, the acronym that I developed, just it makes it easier to remember, is MEND. These mend your cognitive functioning. And the M in the word MEND is, stands for meditation. And it doesn't have to be only meditation. It's any regular 
stress management practice. It can be meditation. It can be yoga. It can be Tai Chi. It can be deep breathing exercises. Anything that's going to help our brains calm down and be better focused. The E in men stands for exercise. And the N in men stands for nature. One of the S's in that word stands for social interaction. And I tell people, let's talk about habit stacking. If you exercise outside with a friend, you have exposed yourself to the natural world. You're getting good exercise and you're getting social connections all at the same time. Habit stacking. So it's not as if we have to spend our entire day frantically following these healthy habits, but exposure to nature is so elemental. It's, it's as if we have, as a society, developed brain unhealthy daily habits of staying inside, of not exercising, of being uh, in isolation. Even people that are working, many of them are working in isolation from home, which is not good for our mental health or our brains if we do too much of it. And Dr. What you just described, I mean, we've been talking about ADHD and brain health, but it's just a great recommendation for physical health, just overall general well-being. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that research is showing us now is that cognitive decline, and I'm not talking about ADHD, but just overall cognitive decline for all of us is hugely impacted by unhealthy daily habits. But um, recent research shows that we can actually reverse that process, that we can significantly improve our cognitive functioning as older adults if we follow these brain-healthy daily habits. Doctor, is, is ADHD ever confused with dementia in older adults? Um, absolutely, yes, and I'm so glad you asked me that. One of the reasons I wrote Still Distracted after all these years is I really want it to be a wake-up call to the medical community, not just to the general public. I hope people will buy this book and take it to their neurologist, to their psychiatrist. Um, a recent study was done of memory clinics around the United States. Now, memory is memory problems is a very common issue for people with ADHD. But if you're an older adult with undiagnosed ADHD and you go to a memory clinic, most often they're not even going to consider the possibility that you have ADHD and you may be incorrectly diagnosed with early signs of dementia when it may be a very treatable disorder. And what's important for your listeners to understand is ADHD does respond to stimulant medication. There is no medication that clearly improves cognitive functioning if it's dementia. So it's really important to make that distinction, and doctors are not trained to even think about ADHD in older adults. Let me throw an important and amazing statistic at you that I learned in my research, and that is in seven years, 
there will be more people in the United States over the age of 65 than people in the United States under the age of 18. And if you think about it, that means that there are going to be many more adults and older adults with ADHD than kids and teens. And yet most professionals still are prone to think of it as largely a disorder of childhood. Once again, that book is Still Distracted After All These Years, Help and Support for Older Adults with ADHD. Dr. Nadeau, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? My website is chesapeakeadv.com. We are in Maryland near the Chesapeake Bay, so we named our clinic chesapeakeadv.com. Doctor, in about 30 seconds or less, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I would like to leave your listeners with the idea that it's really important if you think you may have ADHD to get a diagnosis and begin to make changes in your life. Every single adult that I interviewed that went through that process said it was one of the best decisions they ever made. It really can improve your mood, um, your daily functioning, just the general quality of life as an older adult to get the diagnosis and then follow my recommendations about how to improve your daily functioning. Dr. Nadeau, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, subscribe to our mailing list, check out our articles, magazine, book club, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.